You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Brenda Batista. She is founder of Inspiring Company Culture. We're going to talk with her a little bit about how companies can really create engagement, can really get people working on the initiatives, the things that need to get done in a little bit new and maybe different way. I think a lot of us focus on kind of the logic and the process and designing uh, you know, how things are going to get done. But uh, we want to talk a little bit more about the why and how do you include people in that process to really not only get them productive, but actually get them engaged. And I think for service-based companies, that's really the key to building a successful organization is you have to get your people, your employees, your stakeholders engaged in the process if you really want to see long-term value growth. You know, it's so hard in the service-based industry. People are your number one asset. And if you're not using them well, effectively, really helping them contribute to the value that you create, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be uh, difficult to scale. So I'm excited to have this conversation. With that, Brenda, welcome to the program. Well, thanks, Bruce. And I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. It's an honor. Thank you. Yeah. So I always love to kind of hear about backstories. I mean, I, what was the professional journey that you've been on that got you to this point? I know you've been an entrepreneur, you've been a consultant over the years, uh, mm-hmm. but give us a little bit of how things played out and to get you to where you are today. Yeah. So it's funny that you were talking about process and all that stuff. So the the journey really starts with, you know, the educational background. So I'm an industrial systems engineer by first level training. Why say that you'll see why I say that. And so data process, you know, there's an A to B answer and like, oh yeah, I'm all into the data and logic. There's yeah. a logical way to improve everything. I just know it. And that really gets me excited about it. And so when I finished that, you know, journey and that degree, I was like, well, the industry that attracted me the most was healthcare. And so I've I've worked primarily in the healthcare space. And it was applying that same logic in healthcare space and to that industry. And then I realized, oh, wait, it's not an A to B answer. You got to understand more about this particular There's industry. A there, yeah. There's a nuance there, right? Yeah. It's called people. People kind of mess things up when it comes to logic. And so I got a master's in health administration. One, to understand that industry specifically, but also the management part, kind of the gray areas, yeah. you know, the HR stuff. You start getting into the why it's not a straight line answer and why you have to go, you know, kind of around in a circle. A bit. From there, I went to work in one of the big consulting firms and had some fun with doing some finance and some performance improvement, but doing it in healthcare. So it was really kind of exciting and what I really love to do. I then I left consulting and said, yeah, I really need to get into a hospital. Let me do hospital operations. So I was there a large academic medical center for many, many years. And I had, again, fun because it was internal consultant. I didn't have all the travel I got to go to all the executive meetings and, you know, find out the goods, what's going on, what's the scoop on what's happening. Oh, but by the way, you have to go fix it. So when we come, when we come and you hear all this, you got to go take care of it. 
but it was fun, right? So I had a good team to go there. But then I love, I love education. I love to study and everything. So I decided I needed a final, quote unquote, final degree. So <laughs> I, I went to law school and I did it at night while working full time. I absolutely do wow. not recommend that to anybody ever. Don't do that. <laughs> Your one takeaway from this program. <laughs> right. Just don't, don't do try that. Try to get a law degree at night. While <laughs> at working night. Exactly. While working in a hospital, a hospital because I had early morning shifts with with surgeons at 6.30 a.m. and finishing law classes at 10 p.m. And good luck at staying fresh, right? That entire time, day after day. But it was it's useful, right? Because it, I'll say that the why that's useful. It, one part is that uh, healthcare is highly regulated. So it's good to know how to read a thousand pages. You don't have to read all 1,000 pages. You know you know how to focus in and, and find what you need. The, the other part is, is it really helps with consulting. From the standpoint, I see, you know, there's a, there's engineering says a straight line. Management says it's gray. Well, with law, it's a nice add to consulting because the question is, well, what do you want? What outcome do you really want? Yeah, exactly. And we work backwards. Yeah. So I can work it backwards and it looks like an engineering <laughs> result when we're done. But what happens in the meantime, it's very strategic. Thinking about all the, the nuances that, or the arguments that other people could have or the situation might have. And then you work it backwards. And so that's how it all fits together. So along that path, I, I worked, as I mentioned, in consulting. Then I worked in a hospital. Then I went to work for a vendor that sold IT, IT um, EMRs. Electronic medical records into the hospitals for a number of years. I did that. And then I decided, oh, let's do, take a little different spin, kind of. So I went back into consulting for a little bit and then ended up in a corporate setting where I said, let, let me go inside to a corporation and work on improving performance from within. So when you start taking account customer satisfaction, all these other things, that really leads to the entrepreneurial side of it. It's like, okay, so I got the full, full circle. Because I've sold product to somebody, I've sold services to somebody, I've bought services and product from those same you know people, mm-hmm. and and I've had that full perspective and had people and from a corporate standpoint, it's like okay, I got to work more about your P and L, you know, it's all these other things that now come into play. And at this point in my journey, it's like yeah, that's why I decided to become an entrepreneur. It's like that's the next step. I, I thought, gosh, if you know. I'm so lucky to live to be in my 90s and I'm sitting in a rocking chair somewhere I'm like, am I going to regret not having run, at least tried to do my own business? And the answer was yes. So like, I got to do this. And I've collected enough <laughs> skills and abilities over time to, to really help other people. You know, with my golden nugget there, don't do law school at night. That would be <laughs> kind of go into that. That's a quick one. I can help you on that decision really fast. But the other things that, that is really dive in. And so that's why I, I got to where I am to launch my own company. Yeah, well, it's exciting, and I think I, I hear that story again and again with the uh, you know working with CEOs and leadership teams where it's you know business would be so much easier without employees and customers because <laughs> like everything's just process design, right? Then I can right. figure out okay, well, if this happens, do this. If this happens, do this. Like you can just figure out all the scenarios and everything's done. But yes, you know it is. It's a, it's such um, it's both the challenge and also the huge opportunity inside service based companies. You know, is to really figure out that you know that culture. You know how to really engage people. How to deal with that kind of the, the squishy part of business, which is which is people and, and personalities. And, you know, they uh, when they show up in the morning, you know, they're dealing with all sorts of stuff and they, they they bring baggage. But in that opportunity is, you know, a way to create a really highly engaged culture of people who will be, you know, up, not only just able to deliver, but actually think above and beyond just delivering and, and actually creating value and, you know, finding new opportunities and, and being kind of that creative force that people can. Talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges 
challenges, I mean, because, you know, I think everyone that's been in any kind of business or at any, any significant business has had the experience of a consultant coming in and working with the company in some way, whether it's, you know, project management or process design or, you know, an HR thing or culture or communication, like, that, you know, have had, has had that where someone comes in from the outside and kind of puts them through some kind of program or gives them some kind of training and then, you know, then they leave and then <laughs> you're like, you're back to your day job. Um, right. Tell me a little bit about your experience, your kind of what you've learned, you know, both having consultants come in and being a consultant that's going in. What are the things that typically are right and wrong in terms of those kind of engagements inside companies? I think you hit it right on the on the head is, is as a buyer, you're like, I've got to get this work. You have this this like bolus of work that needs to get done. Like, ah, I need I need absolute focus on it. So I'm going to bring in, you know, the hired guns, so to speak, to come in. That's what they're going to do. And they're going to get it done. It's going to be awesome. And one giant check mark off of my priority list, right, as, as you purchase this. Mm-hmm. Then we come in as consultants and we have a work plan. You know, we have all the structure parts, right? Mm-hmm. This is what has to get done. This is what deliverables. These are the dates. Does that match what you wanted? Is it fast enough for you? Like, yeah, it looks good. Great. Oh, wait a minute. What do you need for my people exactly? <laughs> and then, then you start this negotiation about what do you need for my people and how much of my people's time because I, I kind of hired you to come do it. And I think that's like mistake number one. I hired you to come do it. That's where the failure starts, in, in my opinion and, and, and from my experience as a buyer and a provider because it's a disservice. Yes, we can just get data from you and run our little algorithms off to the side and come back and tell you what the answer is. And voila, you know, it happens and things are great, but they have no idea how to move forward. And traditional project management says, well, we just do a transition at the end, right? A knowledge transfer. Like, ooh, that sounds exciting. <laughs> so phase call, six is knowledge transfer. Right. It's always a phase at the end, right? Oh, yeah. if, you, if it's not there, they're like, where are we going to transfer the knowledge? And, you know, I, I've seen good and bad, right? So the bad ones are like, it's an hour of here are all your documents. I'm like, what? Wait, what? Wait, that doesn't help me. And more robust ones are like, yeah, we'll spend, you know, a few weeks going through and you're going to take over. And I'm like, okay, fine. But that's really the gist of what, what happens though. So it's a transaction. And then where are your people engaged? They're really not. And so I think that's the, yeah. the downfall of it. So we don't, as a buyer, you don't get the people involved early enough and say, hey, this is not just extra thing you're going to do, you know, because they're like, okay, you got to give data. Fine. I'll pull data when I have a chance. Yeah. I'll make it a priority, whatever. When I get around to it, when I get around to it, I know how long they're going to be here. Six weeks. Okay. Week number five, they can have it. That'll work. Right. (laughs) No, it doesn't work for a timeline, but it's more than that. It's like, why are we doing this? Why are you being asked to engage? And, you know, sometimes we try to slide into it by saying, oh, what a privilege, what an honor to be part of this project. You have been selected, right? Try to boost the enthusiasm. And it works for a little bit until they're in there and like, okay, this seems like a whole hell of a lot of work. What what did you just sign me up for? Because this doesn't seem like a good thing and a reward. And so that that's generally where the failures are. So what I like to do, and I, I've, I've done this with my own teams and others, is let's back up. Let, let's understand how we're communicating in general. Who are the people who are really engaged in, in what you're doing, your business unit, your department, your whole business, depending on your size, right? Who are your 
not your go-getters. I want to know who is fully engaged. And if you don't know, let's talk about that because we've got to figure out how to get them engaged. And that's engaged through just general communication. So I, I literally started with, let's talk about everybody has a leadership voice and some are quieter and some are louder. Mm-hmm. So the person who comes in and dominates a meeting that you never have to ask them what's happening, right? <laughs> like, what's your <laughs> idea? You. <laughs> right? They're going to tell you. They walk in like, listen, 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 listen. I got these great ideas. And they just lay it out on the line. And they look around the room and go, y'all in. And everybody's like, we haven't had a chance to speak in the last 30 minutes. I don't know what you just said. I guess so, right? They kind of give up. <laughs> and and that that drives the culture. That that's a, It's a communication style, but it drives the culture of the team because that one person with all their enthusiasm and go-gettedness and all that stuff, they literally shut everybody else out. And some research shows that that that's about 7% of the population that's in that that pioneer type of voice that I'm out there, I've got great ideas and let's go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. We're going to get it done. So that tells you 93% of the people. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a pretty small segment, <laughs> but I'm sure they, they take up 98% of the oxygen in the room. So. <laughs> That's part, of, that's part of the problem. Yeah. And so there are actually five total leadership voices. The next loudest one is, is a connector. And that person is a great evangelist. So when the team has a great idea. So my point is that you need all of these people on your team, but you need to engage all of them. The connector is your evangelist. They will go tell people how great things are and what a great idea this is. They make for wonderful salespeople because of that. But you don't always have to be in a sales position. And they know somebody who knows somebody who knows something, yeah, exactly. you know. Yeah. So they're great for that. And they're the cheerleaders, right? Rah, rah, yay, we're going to go do this. And they're excited. That's a, a smaller percentage, but they're, they're pretty vocal people, right? They'll get their, they'll get their say. Right in the middle, you have these, what are called guardians. And these are the people, let's say it's 30% of the population. They, they get the idea of the vision. It's like, yeah, yeah, great. But how are we going to get that done? These are your process people. They love process and they want to know how are we going to scale to that. So today I'm doing this X, Y, and Z, and it's getting us this result. Now you just told me our our vision is we're going to quadruple in the next three years. Great vision. I get it. But now I'm freaked out because <laughs> I'm wondering how the heck am I going to do that? Someone, someone's got to make that happen. Right. And that's me, right? Me and my kind are here. Like what this, how's that going to work? And huh? So the communication starts to break down because the person who's like, we're going to go out and do this great stuff. That's not the, their strength is not talking about how to do the detail. Like you all figure that out. I'm the idea person. So you start to have this disconnect. And the, then the, those guardian people with all their questions, they, <laughs> they start to weigh things down. They become like an anchor, right? Because like they're the Spanish Inquisition all of a sudden. It's like, what, I, what about this? And what about that? What about this? You know, they're, they're the, as I put it, when you're in a, family situation they're the ones who you just can't go somewhere you want to know where you're going right they have to know every single little detail i'm gonna get there what, what seat am i gonna be in <laughs> exactly do we have enough gas are we driving yeah, are we flying are we you drinking? yeah exactly right so the, but so that's why it, it kind of upsets that person with the idea person because they have to answer all these questions like oh, i'm never gonna get anything done yeah. then the fourth one is a, a creative and doesn't mean they're out there, you know, drawing pictures and that sort of thing. In a way, they're very strategic in their thinking, but they're very they're more quiet. And what they're doing is they're they're running all your risk. They're creative risk assessors because they're like, oh, that's the idea. That's where we're going. Hang on. Okay. And then was in, yeah. in that time frame, they figured out every single possibility of anything that could go wrong. <laughs> And, but they, they're not effective at communicating that because, well, they'll say something. And then this is like the crazy professor thing that people are like, what are you talking about? We weren't even, what? 
because they've gone out and come back and they're like three steps ahead of you, but they don't realize the team is three steps behind you. You know what I mean? I it's like that the, all the time. You get these yeah. people who are, are highly creative and, and usually quite intelligent. I mean, they're they're bright on this, but they just get so far ahead of the team or off where the team is, and then they get confused and frustrated because they're like, "Well, what do you mean? Keep up with me?" It's kind of this this right. problem with the the being on the same page. Exactly. And so then they get frustrated. It's like, "Well, just never mind. I'll just sit here quietly then," because they're naturally kind of quiet anyway. And they're like, okay, you just, you don't, you don't get me, right? You're not understanding. You're not keeping up. I'm just, I'll just sit here. And then they also have this thing of perfectionism to add to that. So they want it to come out perfectly. And then, you know, people stare at them like, I don't understand what you just said. So it comes out, <laughs> the, the receptor side is like, that was, could have been perfect, but it's in the bizarro world, you know, it's like, I don't know what was going on there. Yeah. But then 10 minutes later, somebody says the same thing in probably simpler language. And they're like, I literally <laughs> just said that. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh my gosh, oh. you know, Bruce, that was such a great idea. So it, you're like, I, uh, sure, yeah, it's a great idea. Uh, I see that play out so many times. You know, and I'm the one who's like, wait a minute. I just said that. Why is he like that? Why does he get the credit? And so it aggravates. And so you can see how the team dynamic starts to, sh to shift. This is a cultural thing, right? And then the last one, the last group, but it's the majority of people are nurturers. So it's like 43% of the working population are nurturers. These are the people who want to make sure everybody else is okay. Are you okay with that? Did you just hear what he said? Are you all right? Are you feel comfortable with this in your, your job? And you know, they're just, they're, they just always feel for the, the team. But they're also super intuitive about how the team will react to something. So yeah. you can see why it's great to have them on the team because you really want that the brainstorming people to go, okay, so let's turn to you. Nurture, what do you, how do you think people are going to respond to this? Yeah. Well, and then the guardian's like, well, not just how they're going to respond to it, how the hell are we going to get this done? Right. <laughs> so you've got, that's why you have to have those people there. And then now the creative person's like, oh yes, and not just how we're going to get it done, but can we do it in a way that I can help you avoid some potholes if you <laughs> let me help yeah. you give you some ideas. That's why they all have to have a safety valve, I'll say, so they can come to a meeting and any communications and feel safe and saying something. And and like literally one of the things I do to, to switch that around, it's very simple, is let the nurturer talk first every single time. Yeah. Every single meeting, every single communication, let them go first. And I do that so that they'll feel safe to be heard and it forces the um, the pioneer person who has, you know, all the answers to listen to everybody else because they're going to gather that. It might drive them nuts at first, but once they understand that, oh, wait, I didn't think about that. Oh, look, that person said, I didn't, huh. You know, the, the, you start to get that. You start to fill fill that in and the team starts to be more harmonious because they, they see each other's strengths and they see the attributes and contributions. So it, it really helps. And it sounds simple and it is, but gosh, it can be the hardest thing depending on the makeup of your team. You know, it's interesting. I think I've, I think I kind of do the reverse or I, I think about it in the reverse, which is I always want the loudest people to speak last. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I'm going to push them to the end because I like, I know, I know they're, they're what they are going to say is probably not going to get nearly as influenced by other people's comments as the reverse, right? So if I let the power people speak first, you know, it's end up going to distorting everyone else's comments because they're, they're going to influence folks. So I want to, I want to flip that around. But so it's, yeah. I think it's the same uh, end state or, or goal <laughs> or, or outcome, but kind of mm -hmm. thinking about it different. And let me ask, I mean, do you see this as the people kind of naturally fall into these buckets or do people have tendencies 
kind of mixes of these and you have a primary style and secondary styles and does it is it consistent over time does it change as you get older and get more experience like do you start out in one and then as you kind of move up the ranks you become another yeah so we have a foundational one that that is us i would say through our entire lives and as we mature or as hopefully we mature because i'll say that because sometimes you run into people like yeah you are the same as given. you were <laughs> right that that you learn how to work through all five. So we actually have the ability to work through all five voices because as we mature, we're like, oh, well, in this instance, I need to be the dominant one. So I'm, I'm going to you know, put on a pioneer. I'm going to embrace that and do it. And other times I need to be the nurturer. Is everybody okay? You know, so we'll, we'll maneuver through them. Typically, we maneuver through three that we feel very comfortable with that are our natural type of flow. We'll flow amongst the three of them. But we do have a foundational one. And why that's really important is because in times of stress, that one lights up like that. And somebody can trigger us, piss us off, and we're in that mode. And it takes a lot for us to personally break that tendency. And I'm glad you said that because part of this is you really have to know your tendency to lead yourself because you have to lead yourself to break that behavioral pattern as a leader so that you don't force people to be quiet because you're, you're exactly right. When, when the louder voice, they will literally shut everybody down. There's certain things that they do that they don't know that they're doing. And sometimes they do. I mean, some people are a little <laughs> immature. They know right? yeah. <laughs> it was for own purpose, but sometimes they don't. But then in times of stress or somebody triggers you, that is not a, that's anything negative per se, but it's just the way that you're going to respond to something somebody says that it'll trigger it to the base level. And you're like, ah, gloves off. Let, let's go at it. Right. Not that you're always going to debate, but but the way you react will shut people down. And the nurturer ones who are worrying about everybody else, what they do is they just stop caring and they stop participating. And like, oh, when that's so many people, what a great loss because they're they're really it's going to take a lot to get them to step back in. Yeah, yeah, it has a you know ten times as much to get them to reengage as it did to to disengage them. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now one thing I do tell people it's like a, as you start to get more of um a habit of arranging yourselves in the communication in that that format from the quietest person to the the loudest person by this leadership voice is that if you let that that quiet person go every single time they're like hey, I got nothing to say if they keep opting out it's now a time to have a side a sidebar and say so why is it because it, we're really working on making this a safe culture where everybody's heard and valued and you keep opting out of of providing something to be listened to so are we just not there yet as a team? Is you know, is this something you don't feel comfortable with? And if the answer is no, the team's fine. Okay, now we have to talk about your engagement, right? It is, yeah, now yeah. it starts it starts down the kind of what I call kind of the HR route of this person may not be the best fit. Yeah. You know? On the other end, I would say the same thing with the dominant people. Uh, most of them will fall in into and go, Okay, yeah, I can wait, I can wait, yeah. Boy, 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 I can wait, I can wait. Oh, it's my turn, yay. Right? <laughs> they finally get yeah. to talk. <laughs> uh, they'll embrace that. But the same sort of thing if they're like, you know, I don't need anybody else's opinion. That's time to talk to them too. Right. In yeah. the past, yes, their the difficulty is they're a superstar. Because they produce results because of the way they communicate. But it's a tough conversation. It's like, yeah, yeah, but you represent, like I said, like 7%. I'm getting 93% more ideas. So you can either participate in the way we're doing it now, or maybe this isn't going to be a good fit. I know it's a hard conversation, especially with your quote unquote star of the past. It's like, this is a team, right? You, you can be the MVP of the team, but you have to earn it. Well, and you have to play as a team. That's, and that's an interesting one because I think so much of 
you know, just the general nature of work has, you know, evolved over the last 20, 30 years to be much more kind of collaborative team based. And so I think, so that's part of it. I think if someone is used to working in more of an individual contributor, individual performance kind of mode, and they move into a, you know, either the organization changed, they switch departments or they switch companies and you're either in an industry or a company that's much more collaborative, you know, that can be a tough shift to make of going from, hey, I'm both self-evaluating and externally evaluating my performance based on my individual results versus the performance of my team and my contributions to the team. That's a shift that everyone makes. <laughs> you know how? I mean, yeah. I, I do, can you tell a little bit up front in terms of bringing people onto a team or as someone enters a team or you're putting together teams, who is going to be more successful in that than others? I can. And it's not like absolute. Of course, that's my engineering answer. It's not absolute. (laughs) (laughs) There's a range. And it starts with the hiring process. So, you know, the the traditional resumes and all that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. On paper, you look good. I need to talk to you. And so once we start that, I, I really help people. And I've done it myself is the structure the interview process and what's that going to look like. Not just the process, but what are you going to do with them or how are you going to interact with the candidate? Because I'm really trying to, to to break through, you know, the BS. Look good on paper. Yeah. You get them in behavioral questioning and a lot of people use that. It's like, tell me all the time when you blah, blah, blah. <laughs> At this point, if they've, they probably have a good repertoire of answers for exactly. those types of things. Like, yes. But what I'll do is like, why don't you just give them the work you want them to do as part of the interview? Novel idea. All right. It's like, you just have them do it and see how they respond to it. Because I get a wide range of, I have people like, yeah, kind of didn't like that. I said, okay, let's talk about that. What, what didn't you like? What did you like? And I've had to say, because this is going to be 70% of your job, should you take this? Yeah. And if it's uncomfortable, it's okay. I mean, no harm, no foul, right? I mean, I, I believe that as leaders, we should help people find the best spot for them. Everybody has a place. It's just, it's not on this team because this team functions this way. And this is what we do. This is our day to day. And I know some of it's boring, you know, but it's not everything. If you don't like it, it's okay. It's better to know now than to know on day 75 of the 90 day (laughs) trial type of thing. And so we worked through that. Funny stories here. I mean, I had somebody literally where I say, you've got to present, here's your case. And here, you know, they're like, am I going back to grad school? (laughs) <laughs> no, but I want to see how you apply what you learned in grad school. So talk exactly. to me. You know, somebody straight out of school, somebody who was a little bit older, I actually had the same result from both of them, which was weird. In the presentation, the guy gets flustered, literally flips me off. I'm like, what? What did you <laughs> just do? Okay, I think we're done here. And then an That's older crazy. gentleman, it was it was because he got so frustrated because we were role playing. I was like, pretend I'm a customer and you're going to have to explain some things to me. And so I'm going to ask you questions. And he got mad at the questions and at the situation. I'm like, okay, bad, bad, bad. Now the older guy kind of did the same thing. He didn't flip me off, but you know, he's like, "Eh, no one's ever asked me that. in like the last 20 years I've worked. Oh, Okay, well, I'm asking you now, so can you please answer that? Here's the first. (laughs) Right. Lucky That's right. Congratulations. (laughs) You won the lotto. So, can you answer the question? Because they would never ask that. Oh, so you don't have an answer. It it was like, that's an interesting response, but it's amazing what people do. Of course, there's extremes, right? Like, yeah, you you just, you're not going to work out, right? There's a place for you. It's not here. Yeah. In, in those cases, like, this is kind of extreme. I, I'm not going to, like, help you find another location, but <laughs> this, is, this is not it for you. But most people, though, appreciate the chance to do the actual work as part of the interview because it gives it gives them a better sense. Better than me telling you, better than, the you know, that 
so tell me about a typical day. What will I be doing every day? Work. You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a hard one to answer and there's not a typical answer. And you're always, what, are you, what do you want the work day to be? I mean, part of it's that. I'll have the discussions with people. You can structure it that way. It, a culture will let you work on the balance. What really excites you? So you have to have the commu- freedom of communication back to, you know, the, the being able to talk, speak up. Yeah. It leads into your professional development. You have to be able to say, well, this is what really excites me about my skills, my abilities, my growth potential, whatever it is. And then we work on finding opportunities to make that happen, which then leads back to, oh, okay, so now the consultant is in. This is where you can fit in. I think this is great for you. And now they're aligned with, oh, yeah, this is an honor. This isn't an extra thing. This absolutely fits my growth. Yeah. You know, my development plan that we had talked about where I see myself in five years or giving me the opportunity to do whatever. Right. If it's an opportunity to assist, to be an assistant project manager, because I need that experience, whatever they need, it's now guided and they're totally locked in aligned to that. And it builds that loyalty. It's like, I I love working here. It's interesting because I think I think a lot of employers or managers sort of miss that opportunity, which is, you know, real engagement isn't necessarily the current work. Right. It's it's their desire to grow and learn and have new challenges, that's what's really going to drive this engagement. So if you can really give them a plan for, look, this is what you're doing now, and this is where the opportunity is, and this is how we're going to help you get there, that future opportunity is what creates that pull and that that being bound with the company or being bound with the organization you're working for is that future potential, not just the work you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. As, the, as organizations are flatter or smaller, yeah. it's a little bit more difficult because sometimes people come in with a traditional thought of, oh, there's a ladder. Yeah. Okay, well, it's 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 a step ladder or it's a footstool. There's right, it's not it's a lot. like a cargo net. That <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's a better explanation, right? The, the leg goes through and you get stuck. You're like, okay. Yeah, exactly. And you can go sideways, you can go <laughs> right. you can flip around the other side, you can be upside down for a while. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. But it gives the people opportunity, right? If they embrace that kind of concept, so, you know, but I'm here about your development. I'm here to help you grow in the way you want to. So, and I even, I've my own personal teams, I've told them that because if the right next step for you is somewhere else, my job is to help you get as prepared as possible to for that next step. I want to be your reference for life, you know, and help you help you exploring and go out. But what can I do now to help you get where you want to go? Yeah. Well, that I mean, a, a manager who has that mindset is going to take really different paths, is going to ask really different questions, is going to come up with really different kind of opportunities for someone than, than someone who was just thinking about, okay, how do I get this person to get this work done that I have? How do, how do I get someone to fit the system, <laughs> you know, fit right. into this hole that I've got in terms of a, a, a process that needs to get done? Which is totally different than my training, right? My initial training, right? <laughs> Which is, oh, assembly line, move yeah. the parts around and parts include people, move them around and just... Cross training. Now, cross training still happens, right? That's part of the growth and development, but it's different. And I'm like, yeah, it is different. And it's intentional. It's an intentional leadership style. It you know creates loyalty. And it, for example, when I did this, the last team I had, we had zero percent voluntary turnover. While the people around us were struggling with, you know, I think the lowest one was like ten percent, and the highest twenty five percent because people were like, I don't like it here, right? <laughs> and but they they would see our team go, wait, wait. You guys are like really you like enjoy your work and your ha- but we work for the same company. How is that possible? Can I join your team? Can I come work with you guys? Well, yeah. Well, okay. Now we get to like, find me a budget. Sure, I'll, I'll bring I'll bring you in. You know, but it, it creates a culture that people want to be part of. Yeah. And it's um I call it positive peer pressure because people yeah. see it and they're like, wait, how do I get that? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, this is some That's of the fire. stuff we do. They're like, why do you guys do like book club? Are you Oprah? 
not Oprah, right? I mean, we, <laughs> we do business development book club stuff. And like, how do you have time for that? We make, the, you just carve it out. And it was the other, that was a part of it too, is that once you get past the communication, that we're all aligned around our priorities and growth, personal growth, as well as departmental growth is part of prioritization. So how do we get, you know, our ducks in a row, so to speak, and all pulling in the same direction, get it done. We did that and we focused on productivity hacks because now people are engaged like, oh yeah, I need to get this faster because I definitely want to read my chapter on this. But in order to do that, I can move stuff around. So we, as a team, worked on that and said, what's working, what's not? Ooh, this isn't working. We got it. Why isn't it working for you? Well, all these things, right? So you can make adjustments. So the whole team pulls at the same time in the same direction. And, you know, when we were doing that year over year, we're getting, I was getting productivity improvements of like 20%, same number of people. We get more project work done, no turnover. They all took vacation because somebody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't take any time off, did they? Like, no, they all took their time off. Everybody got time off. I made sure, like everybody go off. Got to do that. Got to restore yourself, replenish. So it worked really, really well. And, you know, like I said, other people got excited about it. So it's like that tying back to how can consultants help? And some of that takes time, but part of it is making that a safe environment. If the consultants come in with the same mindset and work with the teams as you're doing the project, it helps helps bring that together. Yeah, I love it. Brenda, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, so they can email me directly at brenda at inspiringcompanyculture.com. Happy to talk to them about any situation that they might have going on. Also, if they go to my website, inspiringcompanyculture.com backslash quiz, there's a two minute quiz there maybe two minutes, maybe a little less, that they can find their leadership voice. So when we were talking earlier about what voice am I the loudest, I feel like I am or whatever, you can take that really short quiz and find out. And then you can have your teammates, right? And take it and find out. Yeah. So you can kind of rearrange yourselves and figure maybe it out. Guess, because you assume guess you first are. first and then see what it is. <laughs> yeah, right. You assume you are and then you find that out like, huh, that's not what I thought. Uh, and it's okay. <laughs> but it's good yeah. to know. It's a, yeah. it's a good way to implement that technique. I love it. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes here. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Great conversation. I really, you know, this whole engagement thing, it can be such a hard aspect of building out a good service-based company. So really helpful, really insightful. And I really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you. Love being here and appreciate it. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.